0: Well, good morning. You can be seated. Happy to have you here today. If you're uh, you're here for the first time or the millionth time, we're happy that you're here. Whether you're uh, watching online or you're right here in the room, Uh, we've been in a conversation uh, starting last week called "Fight," where we've been looking at what it means for us to take inventory of the things we love. Uh, to take note of the things that uh, we care deeply for, the things that are uh, worth fighting for, and we intentionally choose to be people who fight for those things. Uh, Fighting is so often a negative term, right? We often imagine fighting to be, uh, uh, I'm going to fight with someone, or I'm in an argument with someone, or I'm in conflict. It's a negative uh, connotation that we have with the word. However, Fighting's a good thing. We're all fighting for something. We're fighting for our lives. We're fighting for our finances. We're fighting for our careers. We're fighting for our businesses or our relationships. We're all fighting for something. And last week we talked about what it means for us to fight with purpose. That so many of our fights are aimless fights. We're thugs and not warriors. We're not intentional. We're not uh, strategic. But we're just picking fights with anything and everything. Uh, And when we fight on purpose, when we fight with purpose... We find what it is that God is calling us to do, and, and who he's calling us to love and to serve and to care for, and we uh, fight for him. Today what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, fighting with power, that many of our uh, lives feel often like we're powerless, and I feel like as we uh, have been talking about prayer for so long, we uh, maybe you're getting weary of hearing about prayer and the importance of prayer and why we should pray, but praying is how we fight. Praying is our primary uh, weapon of choice. And yet, what happens so often is we feel like we're powerless and, and, and we feel like the world is overwhelming. And so often, I imagine that um, I've got no control over things. In fact, uh, breakfast might be the most control I have over my entire day. It's like I can choose that, I guess. When I look at the world, the universe, the vastness of everything, it's wildly out of our control. And it quickly causes us to feel like powerless people just sort of moving around through life, getting bumped and hit and knocked around. And, and, and yet what I've realized is there are moments in my life where I feel power, where I feel like I am powerful. Maybe I see God move in a certain way or answer a prayer. Maybe I see a, 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 a glimmer of, of, of something that I've asked for, or I see something and I'm like, wow, I've talked to God and it worked. And then I immediately go from feeling powerful to powerless. I immediately feel like it's overwhelming, it's insurmountable, and I'm never going to uh, accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And, and we go up and down, ebb and flow, like a roller coaster, except not as much fun. And, and we feel powerful and we feel powerless. And, and a lot of us in this room, you might feel in this moment powerless. Uh, but what I feel like we need to be reminded of is that you may feel powerless, but how you feel doesn't necessarily uh, dictate or determine how you actually were created. That a lot of us, because we want to feel powerful, we gravitate towards things that make us feel that way, which is usually easy things, uh, and, and, and we feel powerful because uh, maybe things are within our control and managed, and yet God never needed easy. He's invited us into the hard things, which is why we've been praying for the impossible, We've been praying for God to move in, in ways that is, are tangible. I, I want to pray for things that I know if they happen, they're God. And a lot of our prayers are like, well, I want the sun to shine. Oh, look, it's just shining. Great, God moved. You know what I mean? And yet, I think we need to ask for big things. Not that the sun is not big, and we need it. But I want, to do, I want God to do remarkable things that can't be excused away. I can't make a, a, another reason of why it's happening, and I'm starting to see it. There's some things happening behind the scenes. Here's a church where it's like, that's God. Don't know how he was going to do it, but that is God moving in, in remarkable ways. And I want to see that in your life and in mine. And, and we're powerful people if we realize it. You, sitting in your seat right now, the person wearing your shoes, you were powerful from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. You were extraordinarily uh, powerful that God has moved in your life and entrusted you with an extraordinary amount of power if we'll harness it and realize it. That, that God would not have gone through uh, everything that he went through to set you free, to uh, have you spend one second of your life having no power or being powerless, that there's a power inside of you. And, and God wants to awaken that. He wants us to realize that the enemy does not. The enemy wants to keep us powerless. He wants to keep us distracted and caught up in thinking that uh, everything's out of our control and God isn't working and moving. And, and the enemy wants to keep us caught up in hopeless thoughts. And yet God wants to move us towards understanding what it means for us to hold, wield, and use this power. And what I want to do is have a conversation uh, about the way we use our power and have our power. And if we've given that away anywhere in our lives, I want us to take it back. If we've given away our power to other people's opinions or uh, to jealousy or to uh, uh, personal gain, I want us to pull that back. And and many of us, we've given away our power, we've laid it down. And what God wants us to do is to pick that back up and in Jeremiah 10, verse 12, uh, we get a glimpse, a, a little glimmer of what God's power looks like. It says, he made the earth by his power. God made the earth by his power. Basic uh, school, sixth grade, fourth grade, you learn the earth is round, and it is, regardless of what some think. And and it's uh, remarkable, and it's full of water and greenery and uh, animals, and, and we have the solar system and the sky and the clouds, and everything is working together, and God created it all with his power, and he established the world by his wisdom, and he spread out the heavenlies by his understanding that we recognize that God does all of this and it's all within his capacity. Now you and I, we can create some pretty neat things and we can do some pretty remarkable things, but we've not created solar systems. We've not created uh, a world that is uh, self-sufficient and functioning. God has done all of this by his power. God has created the world in his power and he's actually given that power to us. Psalm 8, when I observe your heavens, the psalmist speaking, The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. What is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. The psalmist is reflecting on the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of God and his might and his power. All these things were created by God's power. Why should he be thinking about us? It would be easy to leave us powerless, right? We're we're human beings, flawed and and failed human beings. We don't need power. We we shouldn't have power. We just mess things up when we have power. And yet what David is saying is, guess what? Not only has God done all of this, but he's put it all under our feet. Why? Why? Why would he give us this much power? God, you made everything, stars and moon. Why bother with me? But you gave us power and you put everything under our feet so we could have the capacity to hypothetically uh, hunt an animal into extinction. Hypothetically fill landfills so full of trash that uh, becomes toxic or pollutant. Hypothetically, we have so much power we could actually... Uh, uh, Pure, uh, detoxify our water system and, and make our waters undrinkable or uh, put a bunch of hairspray in the air and make our air toxic that you and I have the capacity to destroy, but we also have the great capacity to build that God has given us his power. That God doesn't just desire to do powerful things around us, but he wants to do them in us and he wants to do them through us. Right, So it's not that God just wants to do powerful things in the people's lives around you, but he actually desires to do them in you and through you. And he put everything that he created under our feet and he made us just a little less than God. We're not God, but he made us a little less than God. And so we, we have this capacity, you and I, where we walk around feeling powerless and we feel like sin is overwhelming us and we feel like the enemy keeps winning and we feel like hate keeps winning and, and, and the, the morality keeps being depreciated and yet God has given us power. There are moments when I recognize this and I've tapped into boldness in a moment where I'm weak or uh, I have a deep sense of peace when I shouldn't have. There's moments when I feel it when there's so many more moments when I feel useless and weak and powerless. And the power that God used to create heaven and earth is the same power that God is transferring to you and I. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something that we uh, often will mention, but we don't often dive deep into. And I try to talk about it at least uh, a couple of times a year because I don't want us to lose sight of the Holy Spirit. It's God connecting with us through the third part of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, And a lot of times, We don't talk about the Holy Spirit because we understand God as a father. We understand Jesus as a son because father and son dynamics are are common. But the Holy Spirit is a a bit of an obscurity. The word spirit is often used in in a weird context. And a lot of us have opinions about the Holy Spirit, depending on your upbringing and uh, what you were exposed to. You've created these ideas of what the Holy Spirit is and, and what that looks like and Many of us have connected the Holy Spirit to a charismatic environment and we've connected it to physical activities or uh, certain attributes and yet what I want to do today is open up the conversation to the idea that the Holy Spirit wants to work and move in ways that we may not have considered, where God has uh, given us the ability to operate and to move and to pray and to petition him and to, to work in the world around us with power that's bigger than us but the same power that created heaven and earth. And even though we have our opinions of the Holy Spirit, some overemphasize it, and others un- underemphasize it. Some talk about it a lot and make it a big part of their lives, and some uh, rarely talk about it and maybe know nothing about it. But what I want to do is I want us to understand the Holy Spirit as mentioned in the Scriptures over 800 times. That if it's in the Bible, then it's something we should lean into. If it's in the scriptures, then we should seek it, study it, and learn about it. If there's something that God has for me, I want it. I want to embrace it. I want to accept it. I want to adopt it and walk and move in it, regardless of where you land, though. If it's in the Bible, we're going to stand on the truths of the word in Luke 24, verse 44. We find Jesus speaking. He says, then Jesus told them, these are my words that I spoke to you, speaking to the disciples, while you were still with me. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is interesting to me. Unless our minds are open, we won't understand the scriptures. We'll miss what God is saying and doing. Verse 46. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. There's a lot happening in this passage and we'll begin to extrapolate and unpack some of it. But in context, Jesus is leaving earth. He's already been killed and raised back to life. And before he goes, he's kind of giving the disciples a bit of a pep talk. And they've already been given uh, this idea that they've got to spread the gospel and and they know the mission that they've been placed in front of them. And he's reminding them that God, through scriptures, has prophesied what would happen with Jesus. So everything that happened in the past has come true. And Jesus is saying, now what I'm telling you is going to happen in the future is going to come true as well. So if the past was true, we can build upon that, faith and trust, and know that the future is going to be true. So what Jesus is saying is, God has prophesied all of this. He's prophesying this now. I'm going to send someone to you, the one that God has told was coming, and he's going to empower you. And he opens their minds to understand all of these things, and then he tells them, stay put. Now, after a big pep talk, you know, you think like a a pregame pep talk in a rally. There's a scream, a a shout, whatever you do with hands, and everybody puts their hands in a pile and throws them in the air, and then you run out onto the field and go fight or go play or whatever. And there's like this moment of buildup. But Jesus actually is building up saying, there's someone coming, you're going to get power. This is going to be exciting. You're going to fulfill the mission that I have placed in front of you. But stay put. Hold tight. Don't go anywhere. And I think it's an odd statement to say that you don't need to move. There's this anticlimactic sort of movement where it's like, you're going to get all of this, but it's not with you yet. It's interesting that Jesus, he gives them this mission, but he tells them to stay put, and they're asked to be Jesus' witnesses, and and they're to go tell people about Christ and baptize them, and, and you're going to possess the power. And all this future tense, where it's not yet, but it's coming, and You've got to stay put, and, and this wouldn't be a big deal to stay put now. Um, right here in this room, we're able to live stream across wherever. I mean, someone in a foreign country could be watching us in this moment. Staying put here is not a big deal because we have podcasts that, that go out on several streaming platforms. And many weeks, more people listen online than uh, are here in the room. And it's strange to me where people all over the world will Uh, listen in on what's being said here in this room. And so staying put's not a big deal now. It was a huge deal here. You have this mission, but you can't go anywhere. And so there's this idea that even though they had spent three years with Jesus, uh, walking every day, hanging out and spending time with them, being uh, modeled and taught and, and, and listening and learning from Jesus himself, they still weren't prepared for what God was calling them to And the temptation could have been to move anyway. Well, I know what I gotta do, so I'm just gonna go ahead and go. And I think a lot of times I find myself moving forward in God's name without God's power. I find myself doing a lot of things for God, but not with God. I even find my prayer life is full of prayers that I pray in God's name, but not through God's power and may not even be according to his will that a lot of what we do as followers of Christ ends up being in our own strength. And the disciples could have easily gone out and tried to spread the gospel across the globe in their own strength, but they wouldn't have made it far. Just like many of us, we pray prayers that we feel fall flat. It's not that God doesn't hear us, but there's just just there's just something that's intangible that you know when it happens. We fall flat. We move, we operate, we work, we do things for God, but not in God's power, so we grow weary. We get worn out, and maybe it's creating a habit of prayer, but it's creating a habit, and we just don't quite follow through. And if you read any leadership books, you know you're supposed to duplicate yourself as a leader. You would think that Jesus' disciples, after three years, would be ready to go. He would have modeled everything they needed, given them everything they needed, and they would have been ready. They were uh, missing something, though. And Jesus describes it as power from on high. And he asked them to stay put until it comes. And then we turn to Acts to find greater detail, Acts 1, 4. While he was together with them, this is Jesus and the disciples, he commanded them not to leave for Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, Jesus said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? These guys were really confused. verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Now the earth is round. We've already established that. So the ends of the earth don't end. This is huge. You're going to be my witnesses. You and I have a hard time like talking with the person down the street or our next door neighbor. These guys are going to go to the ends of the earth and they need great power. And if Jesus told his own disciples not to leave until they received this power, then it seems critical for you and I to stop operating in our own strength, moving in our own wisdom, working in our own understanding, and we actually seek to understand what it looks like for us to have access to the same powerful spirit that helped the disciples spread the gospel across the globe. It seems pretty big. There are three things that I believe the Holy Spirit does, and a lot of times what what we do when we hear a Holy Spirit message, depending on your background and your history, is we think tangible, practical things uh, that are uh, maybe things we do, like maybe it's a, a speaking in tongues or maybe it's a, a certain way of worship or whatever. But I think there are very practical, very basic things that the Holy Spirit comes in and does for us that we often uh, skim over or underestimate. The first thing is the Holy Spirit gives us power when we're weak. Gives us power when we're weak. If you've ever felt powerless for a moment in your life, that's not God's desire for us. We're actually to own and admit our weaknesses and to accept a power that is greater than ours. If you've ever been given a job or a task and you have no idea what you're doing or how you're going to accomplish it, you understand how overwhelming it is and you need strength and the mental capacity, the first thing that Jesus says is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That there are times when we're at our wit's end. Where we've been fighting on behalf of others and we just can't seem to fight another day, where we've been advocating and praying and looking for God to do some miracle and, and we don't see it and we just run out of steam, we become weak. And a lot of times as Christians, we feel guilty when we're weak. We give into temptation and we fall uh, for sin and we feel uh, guilty for uh, being weak people. And yet, it's the moment that we admit our weakness that we're able to gain strength that is bigger than ours. That's when the Holy Spirit desires to come in and take over and to give us the ability and the, the strength and the power to move forward. Romans eight twenty six it says in the same way. The Spirit also joins to help in our weakness. The Holy Spirit desires to help and to join in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit moves in in moments where we're weak. If you've ever not known what to pray or had the ability or desire to pray, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and assist in those areas. Here's the issue that I have though is I don't want to admit that I'm weak. I don't want to make weakness, I don't want to show weakness, uh, I don't want to be prideful either, but uh, I want to walk this fine line of everything's good and everything's under control and, and, and we don't need any assistance and it's fine, and I don't want to be weak. And I certainly don't want God to look weak, and if I look weak, then to others God might look weak. And a lot of times we start creating this persona where we have it all together, and the reality is we have a responsibility to admit that we're frail, that we're broken, that we're uh, in need. And when we admit our weaknesses, the Holy Spirit then can be made strong. But because we refuse to admit our weakness, the Holy Spirit's never able to uh, move in our lives in this way. And you don't have to know what to pray or even when to pray, but you just have to submit yourself to God, say, I'm weak in this moment. And I need you to be made strong. The Holy Spirit brings us power when we're at our weakest. Whenever you are weak, God is made strong and the Holy Spirit brings power into our lives in weak areas. So maybe there's a temptation that you have and you just can't quite beat it. Maybe there's something you can't overcome. There's a sin that keeps reoccurring. There's a problem that keeps transpiring in your life. Let's submit that to the Holy Spirit and allow it be his strength that moves in our lives to help us overcome those areas. But the Greek word uh, in this passage is the word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. That it's not just power, but it's explosive power. It's overwhelming, insurmountable power that we have when we are weak. So it's almost like going from zero to a million. We go from being weak to having overwhelming power if we will allow the Holy Spirit to move in our life. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is it gives us the ability to share. It gives us the ability to share Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We often make sharing our faith more complicated than it has to be. We think that if I'm going to be a witness, I'm going to share my faith, I'm going to go door to door uh, knocking and seeing what people need or I'm going to have to be the person who interrupts conversations and is weird in the office or whatever that looks like and I have to be ready to ask everybody, are you going to spend eternity in hell or heaven? And, and we just always have to be that guy. And, and yet what the scriptures are describing is we are simply witnesses to God's glory, his ability, his power. If you're called into a court case as a witness, you merely give account for the way you see things. That's what a witness does, is it's observed and it shares what its observations are. The disciples were called to observe and share their observations with the world. And we've overcomplicated it when it's actually quite simple. We have the power through the Holy Spirit and boldness to share and become Christ's witnesses. A witness gives an account. So you may just simply tell how your life is. My life before Christ was like this, and it was hard, and then I accepted Jesus. Now what we tend to do, as witnesses, is we go life was hard, Jesus is good, life is awesome. But life is not awesome. It's not awesome for any of us. We all struggle. Life is struggle, and we have Jesus, and we still struggle. And I think the church, by and large, for decades, has done people a disservice by trying to misrepresent life and say, well, it's just perfect over here. People accept Jesus and go, well, it's not perfect for me. Maybe I'm missing something. And then because of our hubris and our pride, we go, well, it's perfect for me. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not weak. And we're over, everybody else is struggling When in reality, as God's witnesses, we go, life is hard, we accept Jesus. And now Jesus meets us in the hardship. Now we don't struggle alone. Now we have power from on high to get us over life's most difficult things, to get to the next difficult thing. And in the process of all of those challenges, we're an even greater witness to God's goodness because we're still alive. We're surviving it. And I think as witnesses, we've been called to boldly go to people and merely share how in our hardships, Christ is with us. And Paul, a giant in a faith, makes one thing very clear. He has done remarkable, exponential things for the, uh, for the faith and, and written a lot of the scriptures and, and, and is largely responsible for the church we have now. And, and yet, he is clear that he could do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, my speech and my proclamations, they were not persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom but on God's power. So I think a lot of what we struggle with, at least for me, and it may only be preaching to myself, but a lot of what I struggle with is I need to have persuasive words and I need to be eloquent in speaking and I need to be convincing and, and proving that God is good and that he's for me and with me. And what Paul is saying is what we really need is a demonstration of God's power We just need to see God move. And we've been praying for God to do remarkable things as a demonstration of his power. And that's what I want to see in our lives and in our church. I want to see God's power be demonstrated. And when the demonstration of God's power is clear and evident and we are witnesses to it, it begins to spread and share and go. And all of a sudden we can't find spaces big enough to put people who want to experience the demonstration of God's power. But so often, I rely on my own wisdom. Now, I'm super wise. I read a lot. I'm very well educated. I've got a degree. I'm very wise. My wisdom pales, pales in comparison to God's ability. And so often, we operate and move in our own wisdom because we want to think we're wise. And God's saying, stop relying on your wisdom and rely on my power to move as his witnesses. And I think as a church, we keep getting it wrong, and it's my fault because we keep operating and moving in man's wisdom. And we gotta start asking for the Holy Spirit to move. And because I grew up charismatic, that means something very different than it might mean to you. And so I'm not advocating for a specific style of worship or specific activity to happen, but I'm advocating for God to do what he desires to do. And I know what he desires to do is bigger than what's happening now. I know that. There's always gonna be a ceiling and we're gonna be the limitation. God desires to do big things. And if we're not asking for him to do it and we won't believe that he'll do it, then it's not gonna happen. He's not gonna force something on us that we're not ready for. And so we've gotta petition and ask and, and, and implore God to move in the form of the Spirit so that we begin to see God do things remarkably, not around us, but in us and through us. If you've ever wanted to say the right words in the right moment or you needed a scripture to recall or a prayer to pray with people, you don't have to rely on your training or your teaching or your upbringing. Rely on the Holy Spirit. And if you'll step out in faith as God's witnesses and the power of the Holy Spirit, watch how he starts using us in remarkable ways we didn't even expect. It's the Holy Spirit. At work in our life and our church, the third thing the Holy Spirit does is it gives us power to have hope. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have hope. Romans 15, 13, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope, what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you know about our society, but we're a hopeless people. And it's easy to lose hope in our politicians and our, our currency and uh, our financial situations and, and in society and humanity and uh, the mental health of, of just this country alone is, is, is causing all of us to lose hope. There's no hope. And yet the Holy Spirit wants to come in and he wants to bring us the ability and the power to have hope again, hope that God's not done, hope that God wants to move and use us in the midst of what might look hopeless, that when we put our hope in anything besides God, it's always limited. But when we place our hope in God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the limit is lifted. The governor on on your your uh, your vehicle is is pulled, and now you're able to move at a speed that God is calling us to move. And when you're at a place uh, in your life where you need hope, you find that the Holy Spirit wants to bring that to us. But not just hope, but an overwhelming amount of hope. Hope that overflows and pours into the lives of others. I don't know about you, but I'm a pessimist. I'm a pessimistic savant. I have well-versed and and well-studied in pessimism. I can analyze and see any situation. I could turn it into a career. I could see ahead and find the worst-case scenario in anything, and I'm wonderful at it. And yet what I'm reminded consistently in my own life is I've got to lean on hope. Not my own hope, but the hope that comes from above. That when we start to be pessimistic, that spreads, And in fact, I would argue it probably spreads a little quicker than hope does. But when we have so much hope that is overwhelming and overflowing, it starts to spread. Not only are we witnesses now who are bold and have power, but now we're witnesses who have hope. And in a world that is consistently losing hope in every single system that we've created and built, hope starts to stand out a a lot larger where truth is relative and nobody can know what to believe again and everybody's losing hope in every system, we go, we have some hope in something that not only is true in the past, but it's true for the future, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's not changing. And so we have hope in him that if he's worked before, he's gonna work again. If he's moved before, he's gonna move again. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming amount of hope is spread that the goal isn't for you to be a weak person where God does powerful things around you. The goal is to actually make us powerful, to realize that you wield great power. Power through the Holy Spirit, and his intention for you is to use that power to point people to him, to begin to see him do wonderful, remarkable, incredible things in and around us for boldness and comfort and wisdom and peace. And God's desire is for us to move into a place of powerful humility, Power so often is I'm in control, I'm in charge, I'm the one, and, and we often confuse uh, power with uh, pride, and, and yet power in a humble stance is, is, is going to stand out. It's going to make a difference, and we misunderstand power as a society so often. It's not about us uh, lording over people, but it's about us placing power in humility and using that power uh, to help others. So much of what we put our uh, strength in and our power in is a title or a reputation or a bank account and it leaves us drained. God says, if you'll actually lean on the Holy Spirit, you'll walk and you'll move and you'll operate in, in a power that's greater than you could ever understand that God wants to awaken that in us. A power that doesn't drain us. That sustains us and it continues to allow us to be uh, a, a witness of, of hope and, and, and be able to share the goodness of God in our lives. We strive to be good. We strive to do everything right, but we keep failing and making mistakes. And the Holy Spirit wants to come in and strengthen us and give us the ability to be uh, sustaining followers, of fa- uh, faithful followers of Christ. So many people, we live spiritless lives. And God wants to move us to a spirit-filled life, a spirit-empowered life, a life where we walk and we move under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that same wisdom that created the heavens and the earth, that same power that formed the world, that same understanding that shaped the universe, that it's easy when we realize that we just have to open ourselves up to what God has for us. Just ask. So much of the scriptures end up being just ask. You have not because you... Ask not. We don't have power because we haven't asked for power. We don't see the Holy Spirit moving because we haven't asked the Holy Spirit to move. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to do in my life in this moment? What do you want to do in our church in this season? And let's move towards that. And let's watch how we stop being people who keep letting the enemy kick sand in our face and we start actually being people who overcome and we conquer and take ground and we stop being powerless people. And we start to find the curve evens out where it's not powerless and powerful and powerless and powerful, but we start seeing it curve uh, even out where God is working and moving in us. And the moment you tap into that power and you see it operate in your life, you know it and you feel it. You know it and you feel it. That's so many of us are weak and in the mornings when you wake up and you're tired, exhausted and you go for that magical cup of black liquid and it just awakens you and you're like, all right, I'm ready to be social, I'm ready to say hi, I'm ready to not be a bear and, and the, the synapses are firing and your brain is moving and I'm the most creative like an hour after that first cup of coffee, two cups and I'm useless, but that first cup right there, I'm just awake and I'm alert and, and most of my life, is, adult life, has been trying to find that balance of how to keep that caffeine buzz going as long as I possibly can. You have to pace it out. I think our lives, our spiritual lives are much like that. Where so many of us are just dull and and weak and we don't recognize it until you start to feel power. You don't realize you need caffeine until you have caffeine. You're like, wow, I was really dragging. And all of a sudden we walk in something that's sustainable and moving us. And that's what God desires to do in our lives if we'll open ourselves up. So that's what I want to do this morning. If you would bow your head and close your eyes today. I'm going to ask you where you sit in the room. If you feel comfortable, if you don't, it's fine. But I'm going to ask you just to maybe put your palms face up on your lap. This is uh, uh, multiple reasons why we do this as human beings. It's disarming and and it's calming and it's soothing. And and it's also opening ourselves up both practically and, and spiritually to what it is that God wants to give us. So palms up on your lap. Father, in heaven, we admit this morning that we're weak. We're tired. Uh, Many of us are burned out and we're exhausted. Some on the brink of giving up. Some have already given up. Some are on the brink of losing hope. Some have already lost hope. But you meet us right there. In the midst of our frailty and our weakness, you become strong if we'll allow you to. But some of us, we're, we're fighting you instead of fighting the enemy. So in this moment, Father, palms up, we're receiving, we're accepting the power from on high that God has sent for us. We're receiving the Holy Spirit, a power that is greater than ours, that will move us and motivate us, that gives us the ability to take the gospel to the end of the earth if we'll say yes. So in this moment, we're receiving the gift that you've given us in the third person of the Trinity. So we praise you and we thank you that you've given us a mission and a purpose, but you haven't given us, uh, but you've also given us power. You haven't set us up to fail. Just we've refused to accept it. So this moment we receive the power of the Holy Spirit today to go out and do whatever you call us to do, to be your witnesses throughout the earth. So we praise you and we thank you for this beautiful gift in Jesus' mighty name we pray.